Welcome to another episode of Conduct Detrimental Dan Loss. Joined this week by my guy, Taryn Sharma. Taryn, I love this office. I love the, it smells like a rich mahogany in there, right? Definitely mahogany. It, it smells great because there are some, uh, those, those sticks, the fragrance sticks, they just, you put them in like a jar of good smelling liquid. They smell great. Uh, and the office smells great. I, I love this office. It was one of the selling points of the house. Um, I like it. I like it. Um, so, uh, what we are going to do today, um, first of all, I guess condolences to my Super Bowl pick that I gave out. I said Cowboys and Bills, and one of those looks pretty good. And I did say, for the record, bet Cowboys to win the NFC, bet the Bills to win the AFC, and then, you know, it's great. So, half of that prediction looks pretty bad, but Bills got my Bills Super Bowl future. So, pretty good. Sorry, Taryn, about your uh, Vikings, not, not in the playoff picture. Very much a playoff picture. Also, the Redskins, very dead. But they did hire a new GM, which I'm very excited about. They did. They did. Um, we will get to the back end. Maybe we'll talk about some coaches. The agenda for today, um, really two categories of information. We're going to talk um, about the uh, owners gone bad, conduct detrimental for, for owners edition. Um yeah. This, this juicy story, you know I'm a New Yorker, Taryn. I know you have your roots here in, in New York as well. Uh, we're going to talk about James Dolan and Harvey Weinstein, these crazy allegations that have come out. Um, and then uh, I think on a podcast, maybe like within the last year, Wallach was like, maybe after Dan Snyder, the next owner will kick out is James Dolan. And he said that to Don Van Natta. And I remember I'm like, Dan, why are you bringing Dolan into this? And um, Dan might be right. But we will we will assess. So yeah, the allegations, the interesting ones with uh, involving Dolan and Harvey Weinstein. Yes, that Harvey Weinstein. Um, this article that came out about uh, Jim Ursay, uh, police responding to an event where he was um, found non-responsive back in December. We'll talk about that. Talk about how that might impact uh, their team security. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about John Harbaugh's ongoing contract negotiation uh, and some of the finer points of that deal. And last but not least. Um, we had a big NIL hearing today. We had Nick Saban leave the world of college sports um, and just generally a busy week always in the world of NIL. So a uh, reminder, podcast sponsored by Themis Bar Review, top bar prep company in the galaxy. Taryn used Themis. If Themis was around when I was taking the bar, I would have used Themis and you should be using Themis. So uh, if you want any details on Themis, as many of you have done, drop us a note on social or at condetrimental.com. Always happy to talk Themis Bar Review. Okay, Taryn, that leads us to James Dolan and Harvey Weinstein. Now, I have the specifics on this. That's my job for purpose of this podcast. I want to get your instant reaction when you heard that James Dolan was involved in a sexual assault-related allegation that involved Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not surprised, right? Because uh, prior to his arrest, I... Weinstein was friends with a lot of the, the major players, especially in the entertainment industry. And we know the connections that the Dolans have to uh, MGM and entertainment generally. And so I'm not surprised that these two ran in the same circles or that they would be friends. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I guess that's my reaction is not surprised. And then also my, my, um, my feelings about James Dolan are, are not good. Right. So like ton of confirmation bias there that if you could tell me anything bad and say that James Dolan did it, and I feel like I would agree with that, which would make me a very poor candidate for a jury. But uh, 
a fun candidate to discuss here. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's uh, we we don't want to pull a, an Aaron Rodgers here and say that uh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel was friends with Jeffrey Epstein, like you know, yeah. uh, Dolan was friends with with Weinstein, but we're just talking about the allegations, not our independent reporting. Um, so a uh, lawsuit is filed in uh, the federal court, United States District Court for the Central District of California. So I'm gonna. Uh, she has revealed her name in the complaint. I'm not going to do it. It's not our place, but I'll, I'll give you the general gist of the allegation if you have not gone through the complaint at this stage. So uh, the plaintiff involved here was 27 years old at the time of the alleged incident. She was working as a licensed massage therapist, and she meets James Dolan in the fall of 2013 while working on a tour with the very famous rock band, The Eagles. So um, why is that relevant? Taryn, you're laughing. James Dolan, you know, in addition to being owner, he's a world-renowned musician and he and he's just like huge and he's great at playing the guitar or whatever he does now he's got <laughs> kind of a dumpy band that nobody cares about but like you know it's james dolan so we can make fun of it called jd and the straight shot jd and the straight shot so apparently they met um you know she was around the eagles he met dolan there is um two important encounters here that are referenced in the complaint and, and this is very much a sexual assault complaint so very serious allegations um Dolan became, quote, extremely assertive and pressured Miss Miss, I almost said the name, into unwanted sexual intercourse with him. Uh, and then, you know, there's uh, allegedly um, different encounters, but with the same type of unwelcomed advances towards the plaintiff. And she felt obligated to submit to sex with him. Again, I don't know. I don't love reading that stuff, but we're trying to cover sports. So podcast, we got to cover it. So that is the fall of 2013. They have these initial we'll say incidents, interactions, whatever you want to call it. So then in 20, January of 2014, a couple months pass, and then uh, all of a sudden this Harvey Weinstein character gets involved. Harvey Weinstein, obviously the uh, disgraced uh, you know, uh, film executive who's now serving, a, I think it's a 20-plus year prison sentence, something like that. Um, so Dolan arranges for her to travel to Los Angeles to join another segment of this music tour. And while she was there... Um, it seems that the allegation is that Weinstein introduced himself to her as one of Dolan's best best friends and then asked whether she was the massage therapist that Dolan had mentioned and previously praised. So goes on. I won't get into all the details, but uh, there's another uh, alleged, uh, we'll say, attempt by Weinstein to kind of force herself on her. That's the allegation. And, you know, um, She's alleging that Dolan and Weinstein are both, um, you know, culpable relating to these kind of series of, of engagements. Dolan has denied it. Um, and from jail, Harvey Weinstein has denied the allegations. Um, essentially, uh, you know, the, the references to Harvey Weinstein are simply meant to inflame and appear to be plagiarized from prior cases against Mr. Weinstein. Just, people can go online. They could do the due diligence. There is denials of the claim. So now we're off of defamation watch. Um, Taryn, having heard these claims, okay, it's not the first time that we've had an owner accused of sexual assault. Uh, at least for our purposes, we covered it with your Washington commanders. Um, gut reaction, the standing in isolation. Do you think James Dolan is at risk of losing his team? Uh, well, I, I mean, you kind of wonder like what it will take, right? Because it took so many straws to ultimately break the uh for dan snyder to to lose his team to really be kind of forced out uh for which he had the the penalty of having to take seven billion dollars from uh josh harris and that ownership group um so 
I mean, I, I don't think so. I, I think, um, look, longer term, right? Uh, if we're if we're thinking about entertainment and the NBA is an entertainment business, obviously they don't want to be reflected upon poorly, but also, look, James Dolan owns the sphere and, uh, and the NBA is increasingly involved in Las Vegas. Uh, they hosted the, uh, the, the in-season tournament there this year. Uh, they have a WNBA team, which is very successful. The Las Vegas Aces there. I think ultimately they'll have an NBA franchise there. I'm not sure if they want to uh, run afoul of Dolan. And so I, I think that that's part of the consideration here and why the NBA continues to make excuses for the behavior of James Dolan, not only outside of his capacity as owner, but in his capacity as owner, the way that he's treated his fan base. Uh, remember him writing the letter to the 73-year-old fan saying that uh, go root for the Nets because the Knicks don't want you. Uh, that seems like it's the opposite kind of uh, activity that the NBA would want where you're trying to promote your organizations, especially a marquee organization like the uh, the New York Knicks who haven't been successful in God knows how long and have finally started to make some noise again recently. Um, I, I don't think that this will cause him to lose his team because I think that the the line for him that he has to cross is so far down the line. And, and even if we talk about Snyder, right, and this is the last point that I'll make, but with Snyder, what ultimately really forced the NFL's hand, what forced Goodell and what really forced Jerry Jones to stop supporting Snyder was that he was allegedly embezzling ticket funds from other teams, not cutting the gate properly. And because of that, that's what caused them to uh, to sour on him. Not really any of his behavior, which was well known for so long. So um, I think if we are just putting the goalposts at what has been established in the precedent of people losing their teams, I think you are correct, correct to predict that the odds on favorite would be that he would not lose the Knicks. If we're just basing it on like what, you know, like Donald Sterling had like 20 different things, 20 different terrible allegations. Dan Snyder had different things, different directions, including sexual assault, right? Um, you know, involving a team employee uh, on, a, on a plane. And I think there was an allegation about a private car. So the the when it comes to owners, at least the precedent and recent history has been quantity and quality. It's not just quality. Can't it, it, I don't want to say can't. It just hasn't been one allegation. That, not to say it's right. Now, Sometimes we get accused of in the show, Taryn, of being very vanilla with with not giving proper predictions or, or not giving like, you know, our, our two cents. Like if if what is being said is true. Right. And again, these are they're, you know, spicy allegations. And I should mention the attorney here is uh, the, the law firm Douglas Wigdor. They're representing Brian Flores. They're representing uh, Jim Trotter in his case against the NFL. And and then separately, according to our own Daniel Wallet. Represented Charles Oakley in his suit previously against James Dolan. So they've litigated a high profile case against Dolan in the past. So, should a sex trafficking claim, a conviction, which is not where we're at, we just had an allegation and a civil complaint, should a criminal conviction of sex trafficking result in someone losing their team? You would hope so. Should a civil finding of liability, which is what this case is at this point, a civil case, um, if somebody wins and the standard there is preponderance of the evidence, like should it result in someone losing their team? Probably if someone's a convicted sex, sorry, a, a someone found liable from a, a bench trial or a jury proceeding is that they are a, a sex trafficker in a civil context. Like, yeah, like, I don't know. It's a, 
should, it shouldn't be that high of a bar to get rid of someone's team. Like quality, one incident that's really bad, you should probably lose your team. Now that said, just so people don't think we're insane, these are all allegations, but we're you know talking in a, in a vacuum about what should and shouldn't be the case. Um, this is one allegation. It's by one person. As far as you and I are aware, Taryn, this is a 10-year-old incident that I don't, at least as far as I've seen, has not sniffed criminal charges. So I think that is worth reporting if we're reporting this in a fair way. Um, but yeah, James Dolan is no stranger to controversies, but he is in no shape, way, shape, or form in the same vein of a Snyder or of a um, Donald Sterling when it comes to off-field incidents. Um, that's that's my understanding. So I think your prediction is correct, but maybe we need to rethink what forces someone to lose their team, assuming uh, you know this thing plays out as um, it, it could. I mean, well, at this point. I put him in the same category as Snyder, honestly, because uh, you look at what has happened during his tenure as owner, uh, all of the Isaiah Thomas stuff, having to pay out those settlements from the team, uh, those are those should reflect negatively upon him as well, things that he was tolerating within his front office. And I, I think it's really more of a matter of, yeah, it's quantity, yeah, it's quality, but it's really like whether the other owners are fed up with them. Um, I mentioned Jerry Jones and Dan Snyder, right? But it's also Jerry Richardson, right? Jerry Richardson, what ultimately got him out is, is not that... Um, like it doesn't sound as bad uh, and and we probably know that other owners have engaged in that type of activity as well um but it's about support right because i mean even the mcnair family in uh in in houston they've maintained their ownership despite being accused of saying some reprehensible things and uh and so it's just a matter of like who supports you. If the important people in the room, if the power, powerful people in the room support you, you'll continue to have your job. And say, if you're one of the most powerful people in the room, like Dolan may be very well amongst NBA governors, uh, I don't think that that he's going to lose his team because they don't want to set a standard because they don't want to actually live up to one. Even though they hold such an important institution in the public trust, it is uh, they've they've really failed to meet what we expect of people. And, uh, you know, what can we do about it? We're still going to watch the games. All salient points. The Garden uh, is if, imagine, God forbid, if the Knicks ever won a, you know, ever won an NBA title. But, yeah, the Garden seems to be rocking irrespective of whether Dolan is at the helm or not. The only the only point I wanted to add on this. We've covered recently the Raptors Knicks trade secrets lawsuit as part of that case. Dolan stepped down from some NBA board. So this is an interesting time for this lawsuit to come out when it when it appears that I mean, again, maybe it's all optics that uh, Dolan is angry at at, uh, at Adam Silver for the handling of this case in this particular incident. But um, it's an interesting time for it to come up. So Knicks are suing the Raptors while James Dolan is involved in his. Again, if proven true, the. I don't know. Again, someone could tell me I'm wrong, but I, these seem to be the worst of it. I, Isaiah Thomas stuff was Isaiah Thomas. I mean, maybe um, Dolan had some knowledge of it behind the scenes if that was what was alleged. But this is, you know, when you talk about sex trafficking, that's what Jeffrey Epstein was, you know, lauded, lauded. Yeah, he was involved with. So I don't know. This is a very different type of allegation. Um, but in any event, um, let's do this one quick turn. Um, you know, as we're talking about things that may result in someone losing their team, Different category of information. Once upon a time, Jim Mercer, the owner of the Colts, um, 
man, I should have this in front of me. I'll pull this out. But it's uh, he was suspended for, I believe, Karen, was it a DUI incident? What was what was the Jim Mersey suspension once upon a time? Yeah, I believe he was uh, driving on painkillers. And they found it on him? I think that's what it was. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so this is 20, 2014, the DUI arrest. Um, and there's, there's I guess, video of it that's come out. He was suspended for a period of time. Um, I can pull that up as well. Um, suspended for six games. Uh, fined $500,000. So it was interesting, the six game suspension, which also prevented Ursay from using social media or doing interviews. That's interesting. Uh, social media ban. So, OK, this is to, to put it again, talking about owners with multiple offenses. Um, Ursay, according to a report, um, police responded. 64 year old Jim Ursay, um, they described it as an overdose and notes that, quote, alcohol and drugs were involved. Um so I believe the incident, uh, Jim Mersey, police went to his home and found him unresponsive. I believe this was on December 8th. Um, so the health scare first reported by TMZ brings up a bigger issue with, with you know, Mersey in general. Okay, so, so on and so forth. Now this is not an issue of sex trafficking. It's an issue of an owner that has a, um, a second issue with, I guess we'll call it drugs, narcotics, alcohol. This again, all allegations, but that's the, that's the headline. Taryn, I ask you the same question. Do you think Jim Mersey is at risk of losing his team? It's funny the parallels between these two guys, right? Because their fathers built something and then passed it down to them. And they they both had their issues and uh with with uh substance abuse. They're they're both in bands, they're both obsessed with the music industry. And uh and the I guess the primary difference is that Ursay's actually won something. And uh and so I don't know. I, I think that he, again, you look at the things that, that NFL owners care about, right? Ursay got a new stadium built. He's been a good partner to the league. Uh, they host good events. It's a very centrally located place in Indianapolis. I think he's been a, a pretty good steward of his organization. Uh, the Jeff Saturday whole debacle uh, accepted. And, uh, and so I think, again, he has support. And He's somebody who has a history of substance abuse and uh, those those um, alleged alleged history. Well, I mean, you get uh, uh, arrested for operating a vehicle. Just, while just trying to save us here, Taryn. Alleged. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Sure. You guys can you read between the lines. All right. Yeah. Uh, Indianapolis Star sports columnist Bob Kravitz said that he had an ongoing drug problem in 2014 when when the story came to light. But fair, fair. So, uh, Ursay's mistress overdosed and died in uh in ursay's home so uh i mean that that's part of it too again i just think that it's about support it's it's not about any sort of standard unless he does something that really runs afoul of the other owners and they've shown that they don't really do they care about drugs do they really care about abusing women do they they really care about any of these things i'm not sure they haven't shown it in their actions They've, they've offered a lot of talk as to what is important, but they haven't really showed it in their actions. And uh, and really, I, I mean, we've got to go back 2023. Ursay said what the issue was himself. He was being prejudiced against because he's a rich white billionaire. And so really, we should feel very bad for Mr. Ursay that uh, that he's struggling with these issues and that, that the public is coming down on him. But no, he won't be forced to sell his team. Again, there's uh there's support for him.
So um, you might be wondering, you know, when you ask this question, do you think that they'll have to sell the teams? I have not been able to find Roger Goodell's comment with respect to the Jim Ursay incident. Um, I just, I don't, I don't think Goodell has been in front of a podium where someone can ask about it. Rest assured, I, I imagine it'll come up at the Super Bowl press when, uh, when Goodell's up on the podium. Um, speaking of, do you remember when, uh, I think it was the Super Bowl when Jim Trotter had his, like, I think he was asking that of Goodell at the podium at the Super Bowl, right? Like, what's your track record for hiring people of color? That was, was it the Super Bowl media? Is that what it was? Yeah, that's like one of the few times that Goodell stands in front of the whole reporting crew, right? Well, expect this exact question to come up about, you know, Jim Irsay and, and what a, 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 I'll say, alleged or multiple incidents relating to the allegations of narcotics, if that should impact an owner's, you know, well-being, if they should they should be associated with the league if they want those type of people. Now, um, now if you're worried, if you're wondering what Silver said about James Dolan, we do have a comment. So again, going back and forth between the two, I think the kind of interesting timing. Um, so Adam Silver was, there was a, a press conference to announce that the game, the All-Star game was going to be held in the Clippers crazy arena. So, you know, you, you go in front of a podium, people might ask you some questions. So again, Adam Silver is going to a Clippers press conference announcing the 2026 All-Star game. It has nothing to do with the Knicks. Somebody asked him what he thought about the Dames Dolan lawsuit. Quote, I saw the article and I don't know anything else about it other than that I read the article. So we'll stand by and wait to find out more information. So Wigdor, the lawyer for uh, the plaintiff in the, in the Dolan lawsuit, he's got a great comment here. You ready for this, Taryn? Mm -hmm. That is a puzzling response for the commissioner to make. No reputable chairperson in corporate America would, quote, stand by and, quote, wait after reading that a federal complaint was filed against one of their executives alleging sexual assault and sex trafficking. The NBA and the NHL, for that matter, should be no different. We are fully prepared to go ahead and blah, 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 blah. Um, it's a good comment. Why is there a different standard in sports? Like, I, I don't Between know. What's that? Between the leagues, you mean? No. What, like... If you obviously Goodell's not if I haven't found it I don't think it's out there Goodell hasn't made a comment about yeah. you know their owner one of the owner of the 32 franchise being passed out and found non-responsive we didn't hear we're now in January 18th this happened 30 days ago no one said anything about it um and like oh Silver's like we'll figure it out later we'll figure this out when the time comes it is we you and I say it like yeah the precedent's been set you need a ton of allegations they need to all be true you need this and this you need to also steal money you got to do a hundred different things like why is that the bar why is the bar so much higher for sports owners like maybe that's wrong maybe that's not appropriate I mean maybe that's the conversation well yeah I, I mean I think it it is uh, it's like that because it look if you and I owned a business right what could force us out of owning our business. Like who, who are the standard bearers for that? We would have to do something illegal. We would have to cheat our partners. We would have to do something that really results in some other body coming down on us. And uh, absent that, what we're trying to do, right, is because we love sports and we want sports to represent the best of humanity, not only in the athletic achievements that individuals on the field make, but also um, that the people that are involved are the best of us. But that's not really the case. You know, it's it's something that we're aspiring to project, but it, it doesn't actually exist. The people who control these teams are not the best of us necessarily. Some are. Some do a ton of great work in the community, and they're very, very uh, good, upstanding members of society. And others are just Dan Snyder. So, you know, I, I wish that 
that what we hope could be what the reality is, but it's just not. And so the standards are that what can force you from owning a business for a professional sports franchise, not much. I like it, Taryn. Well said. Um, let's pause quickly here. Moment mm-hmm. silence. You need to get out at seven or we have like a little wiggle room? Uh, I, I can do like probably uh, five more minutes. I'm going to let you talk for as long as you want. And then um, just you, whenever you, whenever hop will be, will be good. Okay. Um, okay. So that, that'll do it for our, our owner segment. Um, Taryn, uh, big kind of week in the world of NIL. Yeah. You were not with us last week and we covered some of Florida state with Amanda Kristovich uh, of front office sports. Um, obviously an NIL hearing today, uh, a lot of stuff buzz in the world. So Taryn, I'll give you the floor. Uh, I'll lay out, for you, or is it lay up for you? I'll I'll move aside. The floor yeah. yours, Taryn. Give hey. us uh, the latest in the world of NIL, and um, maybe this, maybe the uh, what you're hearing coming out of uh, Capitol Hill today on the hearings. Yeah, um, you mentioned Amanda, and she's done really such a fantastic job narrating each of these uh, these major stories. I think that she's done probably the best job of anyone uh, on online. And so you can follow her. It's a Kristovich with two H's. And, uh, and so today she was uh, following along with the NIL hearing uh, on Capitol Hill. So it was like another month, another hearing. Uh, And it had all of, and and she said this, all of the buzzwords you can imagine the wild, wild West and all that. Um, But what I really found interesting was the, uh, the dichotomy. Um, They were talking about employment and I think that we've talked about employment and my opinion is that that is a foregone conclusion that that is going to happen in some form or another, uh, because that's what's going to be necessary to save uh, the NCAA. And I don't care necessarily about saving uh, the organizing body of college sports, but I uh, I think that the people in charge will care about that. And so if they collectively bargain, I think that they'll be able to get away with um what would otherwise be antitrust violations in the same way that a professional sports league does. But the dichotomy between there was a, a, uh, a Radford university volleyball player. Shout and, out Radford. Shout out Radford. Yeah. Uh, I, I lived there. Did I tell you that? When no. I was, yeah, what's I, what's I, Radford's mascot? It is the Highlanders, Radford university Highlanders. Um, and, and then there was UCLA quarterback, Chase Griffin, who is very active online and is really one of the kings of NIL, I would say. Uh, He has a bunch of endorsement deals. I think they said 41 endorsement deals across 12 states. And so there were some interesting discussions about uh, whether state laws need to be uniform. And um, what I thought was the most interesting was that they asked both uh, uh, the Radford volleyball player, and I'm sorry, I didn't write her name down, and and Chase Griffin, about whether they feel like employees. And Chase Griffin said, yeah, I, I do. I feel like an employee. And uh, and the Radford volleyball player said, no, she doesn't. And so I think that that really speaks to, and somebody else made this comment, uh, a few other people did. Meredith Meredith Page. Meredith Page, the Radford volleyball player. Shout out to her. But um, I, I think that it's pretty clear that college football is just like its entirely own animal. And they would, have I, been, they would have been better off getting a football player to say that. Well, yes. And and they also would have been better off probably uh, getting a, a, 
a, a football player and a basketball player, because I think that that is where we'll see maybe some interesting discussion, because I think it's pretty clear that football is different from all of these other ones. Right. Can I say one, one thing too? Yeah. Um, if you had to this, uh, no offense to Radford, shout out to Radford, the Highlanders, the optics are if the person to make that point was a volleyball player from Radford, that to me makes it seem like you had to dig a little bit deeper to find someone for this particular point. Obviously the ideal person is a power five football player or basketball player, or even let's say you, you want someone on someone each side of the aisle, a women's basketball player. Um, but in terms of like revenue generating and the, the concepts and those issues that make someone more closer to resemble an employee, obviously football is at the top that those football players making a lot of money. There's a lot of huge broadcast deals in volleyball. I don't think it's at the bottom, you know, volleyball is, you know, I've watched the volleyball national championships with Nebraska and Wisconsin once upon a time, like it's not at the bottom, but Radford is not a power five program. So the optics are like, they stretch a little bit to find someone to fit that criterion. Yeah, I think that that's probably true. And, and so I just thought that that was a very interesting contrast between how they feel. Cause to me, it seems fairly obvious, like football, there's a ton of pressure on it. Not that there isn't with volleyball, but the way that it's treated is just, I think, different. And I think that that's why it'll have to end up being its own thing with its own governance. Um, so that's what I was following from that today. And to that end, I think that the uh, the Alabama with uh, Nick Saban leaving has really illustrated what uh, a difficulty people within the sport are having. And, and I know that we, we don't feel bad for coaches making tens of millions of dollars, but I do empathize with people who are uh, recruiting staffers and assistant uh, assistants to the assistant coach, should we say graduate assistants and stuff like that, who are not making that amount of money, who are pushed and pulled by the way the, the sport is currently organized with its uh, early signing period and transfer windows and the portal and reopening and having to re-recruit your own team every year. And so I think that those those things need to be addressed and they really need some sort of commissioner. And so the, the, the biggest thing that I think that this demonstrates with Nick Saban leaving or all of the coaching carousel and all the players, player movement and all of that is that the dearth of leadership in, uh, in college sports has reached a fever pitch and they've spent basically all of their time begging for Congress to help them out when really they could have tried to lead this entire time. And I feel like that's a point we've had to make over and over again, but it's very frustrating to watch because the people who are uh, at the, at the mercy of the failure of leadership are the people that, that really deserve to have some clarity over their futures. I think that's well said, Taryn. I don't really have much to add on that. I, I mean, you know, people, uh, somebody asked me, um, do you think what what's going to come out of these new NIL hearings? And I'm like, Probably nothing, but you know, that's we're like, like over ten, over twelve, however many hearings there were. So, but you know, just in case, we're we're on it. Um, Taryn, anything else to add on the on the college side? Spare spare me Harbaugh. I might cover Harbaugh. You're short on time. I might cover Harbaugh solo. But anything else in the NIL world that we haven't covered? No, I I think that we will have some guests lined up that we can discuss this more. But you know, definitely nothing. That the hearing went off the rails. They were talking about like. Uh, transgender people in in college sports like what what is it's that not, it's not the first time they've gone off the rails with that exact topic what does that have to do with nil because people are just finding platforms to talk about nonsense that yeah. i mean 
important topic. That's not nonsense, but it has nothing to do with what was the state of the agenda for that particular um, hearing. So it's nonsensical as it relates to NIL. Correct. So, um, yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to to seeing where we go with this, but uh, you're absolutely right in what you said, because it's just a bunch of people that love to hear themselves talk. We're not making any real progress. I think the bigger story today probably was that um, the Department of Justice signed on to uh, antitrust lawsuit in the state of West Virginia, and that will be a big story going forward. We'll probably want to have Amanda or someone else come and talk to us about that a little bit more. So a rarity in conduct. Um, Taryn has uh, wished us uh, farewell for the night. He's got stuff to attend to, but show must go on. Um, one final topic I wanted to talk about here, and just going to be me solo for the rest of this episode. Um, I got a lot of people in my world that are Michigan people. Um, and a lot of people have been asking what's going on with um, Jim Harbaugh, his contract extension. Um, so I gave a, an interview recently to the um, to an outlet in, in uh, Michigan and Detroit. So I'll, I don't know. I, I don't don't assume anybody reads the, the different articles I give in random local publications, but um, I think it's important that we remember, uh, like, similar, I guess, to the conversation we're having with Taryn. You could have an owner, right, that does something bad, and you could say, like, what's going on right now with Jim Irsay, um, you know, James Dolan. We're like, Taryn's right. Like, the precedent set by Snyder and and Donald Sterling, like, it's going to take a lot to kick someone out. So I saw this headline. Uh, why I bring this up here. I saw this headline uh, from uh, a report from, uh, I believe it was Yahoo that had originally Dan Wetzel on Jim Harbaugh's contract negotiations. This was the headline that caught my attention. And I'll explain a little bit of, of what I was telling um, this particular member of the media. Quote, Jim Harbaugh seeks, quote, unusual, close quote, protections in Michigan contract extension talks. So let's talk about what is being reported as being up for debate in this contract. But the the part that is somewhat unusual is that he would have, this is this is the quote from the article. Wetzel is Dan Wetzel, who's been on our show before. Um, I guess we call him a friend of the friend of the show. He's only been on once, once with before. Wetzel reports that Harbaugh wants, quote, language that would grant him immunity from termination from any finding or sanction that could arise from multiple current NCA investigations. So the non-sports law media is running with this. And he goes, whoa, he needs immunity if he is, you know, if there's some type of sanctions against Michigan, which um, I don't know. It's it's the, the phrasing of that sentence doesn't, I could be wrong. It doesn't seem like it was said by an attorney. Language that would grant him immunity from termination from any finding or sanction that could rise up. Immunity from termination is not something I, you would hear I don't think you would hear a lawyer say, I don't think I've ever said immunity from termination. What I think this contract clause refers to is something that we spent a lot of time talking about in the Mel Tucker context, a very recent case. Michigan State's coach um, ends up getting fired from Michigan State uh, from this weird, I don't say weird, but very pro-school language in his contract that basically said, I'm paraphrasing, but if Mel Tucker engages in any act which brings great harm and, and uh ridicule and embarrassment to the university. And if the university determines, aka if the university and the university alone makes that determination, they could be, you know, they could fire Mel Tucker. And that's what happened because Mel Tucker admitted to some, I think he, again, allegedly, don't don't quote me on this, but I, I think what he essentially admitted to having um, 
he, he admitted to having phone sex, but claimed that it was consensual. And the uh, individual on the other side of the aisle said it was not consensual. So he admitted to consensual phone sex with someone, um, you know, a sexual rights advocate. Um, that right causes some embarrassment to the school. So according to Michigan State's language, yeah, I don't know, it's a pretty low bar. I was joking with someone. I'm like, with that language in Michigan State's contract, that they can terminate him for any act that brings great um, ridicule and embarrassment. And again, I'm paraphrasing the language, but that's the gist of it. Um, that gives the university incredible leeway to fire somebody. So like, let's say, God forbid, I was at a press conference. I was coach of Michigan State and I picked my nose, right? And people went viral and this clip, you know, went went viral, went to hundred, you know, thousands of hundreds of thousands of millions of people. Maybe that is defined as an act that causes great ridicule or embarrassment to the university. So you might be saying to yourself, why would you ever agree to that type of clause and give the school so much power? Well, for Mel Tucker, he was getting paid tens of millions of dollars. So if someone's going to pay you tens of millions of dollars and they insist on that language, you know, you could either cave um, and say, hey, that's fine. I like the $10 million. And if Michigan State wins, maybe you look the other way if I pick my nose at a press conference. But, um, you know, here Michigan State was coming off of a down year and the program was trending downward. So they used this incident, I think, um, I think they were in their rights to exercise their, their termination rights. And again, we'll see. I don't know if Mel Tucker has filed a lawsuit yet. Um, I know Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern has. I don't believe there's a resolution to that yet, but um, that's why devil's in the details in the termination language. Now, back to Harbaugh. Harbaugh, again, the quote from this article is, language that would grant him immunity from termination from any finding or sanction that could arise from multiple current NC investigations. What that seems to me, because I, I, you know, I look at a lot of these morals contracts, I do them for a living, uh, these morals clauses. They say if someone is convicted, arrested, um, sometimes they'll say charged with, um, some type of, uh, you know, uh, act that involves moral turpitude or some type of crime. Yeah, you can fire somebody. Sometimes, you know, on an athlete contract, it'll say if, if the athlete receives a suspension for performance enhancing drugs or something else, you can, you know, you can uh, cut them from their endorsement contract or whatever contract we're talking about. So here, yeah, I think Michigan is nervous that there's going to be some type of sanction, some type of discipline from the NSA for all these open investigations, sign stealing. There's a couple of things in the works for for Michigan. So Harbaugh is certainly in his right to say, hey, I have all the power here. I might go to an NFL job. I might go to the Chargers. I might go to the Falcons. I might go to any number of NFL jobs. And I have the leverage. You guys need me, right? You guys, we just won a national championship. If I leave right now, you'd have to find a new coach. You might, you know, risk, you know, guys going into the portal and, and losing them. Um, and you'd look pretty bad national championship winner, not having a coach. And also, mind you, we're now recording this on January 18th. If Harbaugh leaves, I mean, we're, we're ready, like deep into the coaching carousel. Like when these musical chairs of coaches stop spinning, who's going to be left to get a Michigan job if Harbaugh goes to the pros? So right now, Harbaugh has a lot of leverage. Harbaugh is, again, asking for immunity for termination. That doesn't mean what I think it's being reported as. I think it just means that on a four-cause termination, um, that a, a finding of uh, a violation, be it like level one, level two, level three, whatever it is from the NCA, will not result in an a firing of Harbaugh for cause. He's not looking for a blanket immunity from termination. That's insane. That doesn't, that's just like a lifetime contract. He just says for this specific thing, I don't think they should be able to fire me. And I think that's a totally reasonable ask. I don't think it's unusual. And again, I, I preface this by saying like, we just because like maybe someone has never heard of this in a sports contract doesn't mean that it's like unusual or, or improper ask at all. So Harbaugh and his lawyers, I don't know if this was the, this is what people think. That's how I read it. 
shouldn't be shamed into asking for big asks. And I felt like this was leaked, me personally, I felt this was leaked to the media um, to make Harbaugh look bad that he's asking for too much. And it's like, so that the Michigan people in my life, and then roundabout way of saying like the Michigan people in my life are like, you think what Harbaugh's asking for is fair. There's supposed to be an arbitration panel to determine if he's, um, you know, there's a, a foreclosed firing. And I'm like, these are all normal asks in a, in a contract. Like, no one's asking for immunity from termination, but they're saying we're trying to narrow the scope of things that could be considered a foreclosed firing and not be paid the remainder of the money on the contract. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Harbaugh has all of the leverage and I think he can ask for whatever he wants. Nothing's unusual. He has all the leverage. Now, I'll just put this into context. And I think that's the other part of the contract I wanted to make sure we brought up. So there's this arbitration panel they're talking about asking for an arbitration clause or an arbitration panel in a, in a contract. Pretty typical. I look at contracts every day that have that language. Now, um, you know, you don't want the school, and this is the reason that I think Harbaugh is allegedly or reportedly asking for it. You don't want a Michigan State situation whereby Michigan State, in their sole and absolute discretion, can fire Mel Tucker for something that embarrasses the university. You want that for cause language um, to be determined by a panel of a couple people. Now, I, I haven't seen reporting on who's on this arbitration panel, if it's someone from the school, someone neutral and, and someone else, or if it's just true arbitrators that don't have anything to do with Michigan. Um, but yeah, a very normal, very reasonable asking. Just because those contracts, those clauses don't appear in other contracts, there are very few people in, in the history of professional sports that have a situation like Jim Harbaugh that win the national championship, contracts expiring while under NCA investigation. Um, it's similar to what happened with Pete Carroll once upon a time with the USC, but Pete Carroll bolted for the pros. So he's got all the leverage if he wants to, and, and they're going to sign him to a long-term deal to stay at a Michigan program that could be facing sanctions and punishment. So I, I think Harbaugh is entitled to ask for whatever he wants. The other part of this contract that I think is interesting, and, and, and you know, I, I expect to see some news on this in the near future. So right now I get notifications on my phone. You know, uh, Mike Vrabel is view, uh, interviewing for this job. Bill Belichick's interviewing for this job. Harbaugh interviewing for this job. This one's interviewing for this job. We are in the midst of the NFL cycle. And sometimes the NFL coaching cycle will go until the Super Bowl, right? Sometimes it'll go into mid-February. Now, if Michigan lets this drag out all the way into Super Bowl, like, you know, it's like a, a month from now, right? Like we're just, at, we just had Super Wild Card Weekend. We're now at the divisional round. If they let this go the entire way, Michigan's in a really tough spot. Yes, like right now, if, if Harbaugh signs with like the Chargers or the Falcons or whoever else, okay, we're only really like a week or two since the national championship happened. Like the coaching carousel is not like done. Um, but Michigan's in a weird world that like they can't really put an ultimatum on their coach Harbaugh. So I think they're trying to make him look bad through these little leaks to the press. That's just my personal opinion. I have no factual reporting on that. Um, but they might be caught holding, you know, left holding the bag at the end of the day. They have a seat open for Harbaugh and they have no coach. So I think the other part of the contract that's being reported as being a, a sticking point is this buyout provision whereby if Harbaugh does leave to go to another program, specifically, I think here would be an NFL program, but there's some, some amount of money that has to be paid to Michigan. So my understanding right now is that, and maybe it's not being reported just because Michigan's laying low on it and they're putting it on ice, but that Michigan does not have the agreed upon buyout language that if the Chargers hired him or the Falcons or any of these NFL teams, that they'd be paid some amount of money. So again, no reporting on this. I'm just talking, talking like, uh, you know, just calling like I see it. There's certainly a world where Michigan might be incentivized to sign a contract with Harbaugh that provides some level of buyout protection, but um, maybe Mich maybe he's not the coach this year. So that makes sense. He could sign a Michigan contract, but still allow for buyout protections for the pros. So um, looking for that buyout number, I 
I don't know. I, I find that to be a very interesting saga on the Harbaugh end. Let's see where he ends up and let's see the compensation, if any, that Michigan gets. Similar to like draft pick compensation in uh, Major League Baseball or, um, you know, you name it. Okay. So um, I think that's a good place to end it. It's so funny. I don't ever record the podcast solo. I think I've probably done this like a handful of times in the history of conduct detrimental. Um, but I'll do this here um, as the uh, flag bearer for conduct uh, detrimental. Um, I want to give a, a large congratulations um, to our nil writing competition winners so we announced um that we were doing this for uh you know for whoever wanted to sign up to be a part of the writing competition we put this out to the world we put it on linkedin instagram twitter and by the way if you're listening to this podcast and you don't follow uh myself on social media i'm at sports all lost i don't know, I feel like everyone knows that by now but we put announcements out there for stuff we do we don't, I don't announce everything on the podcast but um a big congratulations to john kane he is our first placed winner of the NIL writing competition. Second place, Brittany Archer from Missouri Law. John Kane is a lawyer um, at Aiken Gump. Um, you would, I would hope if we made the competition open to lawyers and law students, it would be odd if a lawyer didn't win. But John emerged um, as the winner. Brittany uh, Archer from Missouri Law wins second place. And Nolan Porthouse from St. Louis Law wins third place. We just read these uh, blind. We didn't pay attention to what you know people were at different schools. Um or lawyers, law students, but um, that's just the way it shook out. So a big uh, congratulations to John, Brittany, and Nolan. And thank you for everyone for submitting um, uh, articles from across the country. Big shout out to our grading committee. I'm not going to name everybody, but one, two, three, four, five, six. We had like 10 people on the grading committee. So um, it was a pretty uh, elaborate setup. Shout out to Bryce Goodwin for setting this all up. And Evan Latado over at St. John's um, for the original idea to do this. So lots of cool things that we like to do with conduct. Um, and then one more congrats. Full of congrats here on Conduct Detrimental. Um, what we did, because um, you know, we like to do things and um uh, like to like to keep you guys on your toes. We've announced an official uh the official 2024 conduct detrimental board. So I imagine some of you are listening to this now that got elected to our, our sports law, uh a sports law student board. Uh Bryce Gooden, who I mentioned, is the editor in chief. You can find that graphic up on our LinkedIn page. Um, I'll be sure I'll migrate this over at some point uh, to the website so you can find it there. Um, but yeah, quick shout outs, Bryce Goodwin, editor-in-chief, Mike Krevchenko, um, who you guys have heard in the podcast a ton. He's VP of content. Ethan Zucker, one of my students at New York Law School, is uh, president of the student board. Evan Latado, I mentioned at St. John's, secretary. And then I thought a cool part, uh, all credit to Bryce on this. What we did is we came up with regional representatives around the country. So we identified certain law schools that we wanted to, you know, in obviously different parts of the country, um, geography wise. Um, we grabbed Isabella, uh, Isabel Silva um, in the Northeast. Um, she's at UNH. CJ Olson, uh, who's at Miami Law. He's a 2L there. Brittany Archer, again, who finished in second place in our writing competition. She's uh, at Missouri Law. Shelby Stevens from the Gonzaga Law School. Got to check out a basketball game there at some point. Um, Brandon Bell over at Arizona State. Uh, he uh, Brandon's been on the podcast before. Um, Brandon's probably one of our was at one point our youngest contributor to conduct. I think he was here writing for us as like a sophomore at Auburn. So shout out to Brandon and then uh, Madeline Fico at Hofstra Law and Joe Gravina, one of my other students at New York Law School. Um, both two L's. So big things are happening in conduct, and we we announce and elect. I don't think we elect. We appoint this board to come up with cool initiatives, and this writing competition was an initiative straight out of. Um, Bryce and Evan's imagination. So yeah, by all means, if you want to get involved with conduct, you want to be a writer, you want to be on the board, you want to come up with fancy projects that we could do, by all means, we'd love to have you. 
no cost of admission. There's no entry fee. We just like connecting like-minded people and um, hoping to secure people, um, you know, with the right network to land them in the right position job-wise. And that said, I have not heard back. I think last episode, if you were listening, I went on somewhat of a tangent to our um, our troll who uh, dropped into Mike Kravchenko's DMs. Um, troll, if you're out there, I think you've turned over a new leaf. I have not heard anything bad about you in the last week. So shout out to you. Be on your best behavior. You're on probation. Um Yes, I, I should say this. If you are listening to the podcast and you are, um, if you hear something interesting that somebody says, right, uh, be it Mike Krepchenko or Taryn, myself, oh, drop us a nice note. It's always good to uh, mix in the good with the bad. I The bad happens. I, I, I lay low. I don't tell you guys about the bad. But when when you guys come after, not you guys, when one person comes after one of my one of my peeps, I'm going to get the horns. Mess with the bull. Get the horns. Okay. Um uh, I think it's probably about time to wrap this up. My wife and I are watching. If anybody's into some weird recommendations, uh, we watched. Uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully I don't get uh, made fun of for this, but we watched the show House of Villains, um, which was fantastic. Uh, if you are a reality person, which my wife and I tend to dive into from time to time, um, it was a good mix of uh some reality all stars and House of Villains. So we watched that. I'm not really a big game show person, but like I don't know, it's kind of interesting. So we uh, are cruising around Netflix and my wife's like, show looks interesting. It's a show called The Trust and it's on Netflix. Um, it's a type of game show. I don't say it's a game show. It's like kind of survivor, but it's not physical activities. It is uh, people voting each other off. You know, there's a pool of $250,000 and the 11 contestants will split the money unless they get voted off. There's some, there's some gamesmanship. So I'm not really like a big game show person, like a survivor type person, but um. House of Villains, I thought was interesting. And uh, The Trust, pretty good. I can, I can definitely recommend that. I've, we uh, went through a couple episodes this past weekend. So shout out, shout out to The Trust. Good show, The Trust. Okay, um, I think let's end it here. Um, appreciate you guys bearing with us and love recording podcasts for you guys each and every week. I'm recording this one from my studio. If the audio sounds good. Um, as you guys probably, sometimes the audio is really good. That's usually when I'm recording from my office. Um, and then other times the audio is not so good. So I will try to get the audio consistent, um, but all good bearing with us. And uh, yeah, we love uh, bearing the flag for the industry that is the sports law world and uh, representing sports law from coast to coast. So shout out to the student sports law board 2024. Shout out to the winners of the NIL writing competition. And I did say we had some big things on the horizon and we're not done. But one more, one more thing on the horizon. One more thing coming up. Um, but stay tuned. Again, follow Con Detrimental on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Sports Low Lust. And uh, LinkedIn is like, I kind of, I live on LinkedIn now. So you won't miss anything if you have LinkedIn. All good. Let us wrap here. And um, yeah, that'll do it for us at Connect Detrimental. Go Bills. Shout out to the Bills. And um, that's it. Oh, and I have a future on Carlos Alcaraz. Let's root for Carlos Alcaraz as well. Plus 330 to win Australian Open. Betting guy over here. Just, just don't, just don't pay attention when I tell you about the Cowboys. That part didn't work out. Okay, let's end it here, and uh, yeah, that'll do it for all of us here, Connect Detrimental, and uh, yeah, see you next time on another episode of the Sports Law Podcast, Conduct Detrimental. Mm -hmm.